Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything, coming to you from BK's gym, the sauna house, the podcast studio, the multi-purpose modular building that we have erected in our garden for such projects. I got to get straight into Joanne's message because last week... I spoke about, and you know, for the few number of weeks, I've spoken about my interest in getting liposuction, well, body contouring really, in Turkey. Turkey's known for like bargain basement prices on plastic surgery. And people will go there to get dental veneers or hair transplants because it is a reasonably, I guess, successful result with a low, low price. I had it all priced out. If you want to have a body contouring that's liposuction in four areas and a BBL, which I don't want. BBL is Brazilian butt lift. It means it makes your bum bigger. I've always had a pretty big bum. I don't want a bigger bum. And I think that if you do want a bigger bum, maybe, well, first of all, just love yourself without doing any of that. But if you really want to do that, a bit of contouring here and there is fine. But the big, big bum for ethnicities that like would never naturally grow that looks like you're trying to be a Kardashian. It doesn't work. I even think the Kardashians are getting bum reductions. I spoke a few weeks ago about Black China getting a lot of her surgery reversed, though no surgery can ever be fully reversed. And you should know that going in. And if someone, God forbid, makes a mistake, then that's your body. And it's very difficult to deal with the mental and physical trauma trying to get that back. So I was thinking about going to Turkey, uh, price data was 5,000 euros, which is not, and you know, it sounds like a lot of money, but compared to what that would cost in America or what it would cost here in the UK, that's not very much. I don't know exactly what it would cost, but I don't know, depending on the surgeon, anywhere between like 10 and 30 grand. So five, and I've heard stories about people going to Turkish surgeons and being told, oh, you and your friend can both come for 3,000. I spoke with the Turkish surgeon's assistants or whomever answers the WhatsApp. And I got to let you know, like, it it doesn't seem above the board. It's a bit wishy-washy. They don't get back to you very quickly. They don't answer all of your questions directly. You kind of have to chase them a bit. And that was worrying to me. Also, they want you to pay cash. And if something goes wrong, you just have no recourse on that. Here are our conversations. I'll read them to you. I said, hello, I'd like to make an appointment for consultation, please. And then they said, due to excess demand, your messages will be answered within one to two business working days. So then how many days later? Oh, one day later. Hello, this is the assistant. Thank you for contacting us. Can you please send us photos front, side, and back? For liposuction, please also send us a video of your skin pinching. Once we get the photos, we'll get back to you with detailed operation and cost details. And then also, can you answer these following questions? Do you have any health issues? Do you use any medicines, including birth control? Any diseases or illnesses? Did you have any operation before? Did you have any filler on your body before? Are you allergic to anything? What is your height and weight? Best regards. So then in my like midnight madness, I had to take real medical photos of my body. And you know, when you're posing, you're doing a little selfie. Oh, that's cute. This is a good angle. Oh, 
these are not the kind of photos they want. They want like bad lighting, unfiltered photos of your body. And if I didn't feel slightly badly about myself before, I did after that. So I sent them all this stuff. And I wrote back, I have no health issues. I'm not on birth control. Definitely not. No diseases. Da, 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 da. I had a breast augmentation and that's it. My birthday, blah, blah, blah. My height and my weight, which is currently, if you want to know, and I don't mind telling you this, I'll be 40 years old this year. I am 155 pounds. Don't know what that is in stones. It's a boulder. Um, it was an Alex Edelman joke. And also, I don't know what it is in kilos or whatever you're using, but I'll tell you this. It's like 30 more pounds than I used to be. <laughs> so I sent these photos. And then the pinching video is so they can see like skin elasticity. So I did that as well. And then they said, dear, do you want only Vaser liposuction or BBL also? And I said, just liposuction, please. And then they wrote, okay, thank you, dear, for sending your photos. We have checked them with the doctor. He will remove max fat from tummy, waist, and back. Back. The back is mainly my concern, actually. I don't know how being pregnant with these kids has just made me have this like weird belt of back fat. Um, okay, uh, the amount will be decided accordingly to your expectation. So I'm that way, you will have hourglass shape. Don't really know what that means. Um, package of BBL is 4,950 euro. Accommodation, two nights hospital stay, three nights hotel stay, only breakfast included. Well, obviously, because they think you're a fat bastard and they're not going to give you lunch and dinner. One extra person free. What does that mean? Does that mean I can have like a, oh, like accommodation. I can have a like a chaperone, I guess. It includes transfers from the airport, arrival and departure, all essential analyses before the surgery, including the blood analyses, medication, the garments that should be used after surgery, two massages after surgery. Do you know what's so sick about this? I'm reading this and it sounds, I'm like, that's a great deal. I'm like back in. I'm like, hang on. <laughs> wow, two massages. Do you know what I would do? To, I would pay 4,950 euros right now for a massage. Um, daily nurse check and controls, an appointment with the doctor before the operation to plan your surgery together. Well, I fucking hope so. Can you imagine just like going in blind? No, you'll never see him. And more on that later. People have written into Joanne about, you know, things that have happened to them, how it's gone, the type of aftercare they received, uh, and which doctor did their surgery. But I don't want to give it all away. Okay. So, all-inclusive above, but note, plane ticket booking is not inclusive. That belongs to the patient. The doctor does not think you will have adequate amount of fat for bigger BBL result. Well, I don't want a BBL. I just said I don't want a BBL. And also, thanks for the compliment. After lipo, you will most probably need tummy tuck on your stomach area because there will be a skin excess that would cause sagging. After lipo is applied to the abdomen, if the skin is not stretched enough and there is an excess of skin, sagging will occur. That's true. The skin hangs after liposuction. To get rid of the excess skin here and to straighten the abdomen, the excess skin needs to be cut. This is also possible with tummy tuck surgery. So those of you, the surgery enthusiasts like me who've watched this stuff online or on Instagram, if you are... You know, if you have a real excess of skin, I always think liposuction, I always said before I like started going mental this year, I always said that I don't think liposuction is worth it. Like I think it's a weird surgery with limited results, but a tummy tuck surgery in certain candidates, I have seen to have a very dramatic result. They do almost like a corset. They stitch your abdomen muscles together and those become separated after pregnancy and they remove like an apron of skin that some people have, but I don't have that at all. And so I was a little bit offended by the suggestion that I might need a tummy tuck, even though I get what she's saying. Like if you, cause fat is like a highway for collagen and fat actually keeps your skin looking nicer. And if you remove all of that, I mean, you've seen some of these women on an Italian beach who have no fat on them and they've tanned a lot and they just look like, like a, an empty glove. Okay. We have availability in the fall. And then I was like, well, okay, well, maybe I could make it in September. I'm not really sure. Da, 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 da. 
So then I didn't speak to them again for a couple of days. And then they respond again. They come out and they say, can you send me a picture of your ID so we can reserve a date for you in the fall and we will confirm within a week your deposit. And so now I've sent this and I just, I just don't know what to do. They've sent me um, an info pack. What's, what's on this PDF? Okay. I mean, basically it, it all looks above the board, really. It says you have surgery, three, oh, three areas of liposuction. My mistake. I think I said more. Um, and that includes all the things that she spoke about, the massage, massages, one person companion, blah, blah, blah. Um, they tell you what to do. You arrive in this and that, and they have important notes. What are some of the important notes? Our patients who have surgery scheduled do not need to take a special program or any specific supplement food before they arrive. However, considering that it directly affects the results, it's important to eat a healthy diet before and after. Meats, vegetables, fruits. I really like them. Oh, oh, you need a hundred euro deposit for the bed at the hotel. Ugh, and we'll be given back after. I think that's in case you like get blood. Sorry, trigger warning for that. Please notify us if you get COVID. <laughs> All right. Strictly stop smoking or taking stimulant drugs three weeks before surgery. If you do smoke up until the day of surgery, your surgery may be canceled. This is considered high risk, and that's true. And that is because of blood clotting. Please note, Dr. Strictly does not accept over 30 BMI patients. If you gain weight, you would need to postpone or we would need to cancel your surgery. Stop drinking alcohol at least one week. But Well, I'm out. I'm out. <clears throat> okay. So I was thinking about all of this. And like, I received a lot of backlash for talking about it. A lot of people were like, how dare you, Catherine? You have a platform and you're a thin person. And a lot of people have body dysmorphia and they have all these issues and you shouldn't be saying that you want or need to get liposuction. I, uh, look, guys, this podcast is telling everybody everything. I work you through my process along with me, and then I tell you what I decide to do. Everything that I say on this podcast is not going to be a completed thought or my final answer or aspirational even, because I am flawed and vulnerable just like you, and I make mistakes sometimes. And I'm saying, like, from the jump, I know that getting liposuction in Turkey is a mistake. Ah. But it's a mistake I sort of want to get. Okay. So Joanne has collated the emails, and I asked you last week to talk to me about organ theft. It's amazing that I'm considering this at all. Organ theft is apparently something that can go down. And this is not worth worth the risk. And like Bobby told me at the start of my like musing around liposuction, he's like, Catherine, number one, you are a fucking idiot. Number two, you have two very small children and a teenager who need you and you can't be risking your life. Even if it's a small risk, I don't appreciate you going anywhere abroad and having a type of surgery when you could just be at home enjoying your family. And I understand what he's talking about. I do. But um, here's what Joanne has said. This is what she's got from the emails. Catherine, the inbox was a mix of people telling harrowing stories of medical tourism, stolen kidneys, infections, etc., And conversely, hordes of Canadians ready and willing to be on your East Coast Canadian dating show. It was a roller coaster alternating between the two types of messages. Young Driver, as aforementioned in last week's podcast, absolutely wants you to share their discount code. It's CathBum10, CathBum10. And they're pleased to have made it onto the podcast. If you didn't listen to that and you have a teenager who's too young to drive, but who would like to drive, listen to last week's podcast. Dr. Amber Phillips, a criminologist listener, recommended you read a book by Sean Colum, a professor at the University of Liverpool. I've sent you a Kindle copy of Trading Life, colon, Organ Trafficking, comma, Illicit Networks, and Exploit. What? Oh, Exploit. Got it. I'm still in the mode of like reading the Turkish WhatsApps. All right. So this was a really cool book. It's available in most shops and online. The unsettling bit about it is that all the organ theft that um, Dr. Sean, oh, he's not a doctor, Sean Colum discusses um, is 
It's meticulous sophistication. It's sophisticated organized crime, guys. Most of the instances in the book of organ trafficking involve vulnerable illegal migrants or refugees. They're desperate to send money home to their loved ones and the promise of an easy 5,000 pounds is very tempting. If anything goes wrong, no one can help them though. So buying and selling organs is illegal. It's been made illegal by the UN. If doctors, oh, if donors are mistreated, get sick or receive less money than promised, they're left with no options due to the criminal stigma. If they're undocumented migrants, they're even less likely to report these crimes. In some countries, women and children are even kidnapped for their organs, but like, of course they are. It's not a surprise to me that rich people get what they want, like whatever they want. And I have heard from other, I mean, more wealthy than me people that there's a way abroad to get organs from like prisons and stuff. And I'm not talking about a kidney. I'm talking about like a heart that there are certain people who are in the criminal justice system abroad. And I don't, I, I don't know like the movie, the purge. I don't know if it's their choice, um, to just sell their own heart. And then you go, all right, well, I'm in prison anyway, kill me. And you can give my family all this money. Or if sometimes they're just you know, if it's not their choice. But consent aside, it is massively illegal and immoral, unethical in in all the different ways. So like, you know, it's clearly awful. In terms of people traveling abroad for surgery and waking up without a kidney, organized crime has spent so much time meticulously laundering these stolen organs that hospitals and the doctors themselves have become completely disassociated by the crime and have no way to backtrack and assure they've received a transplant organ legitimately. This column guy cites from WHO, the World Health Organization, 10% of organ transplants have taken place illegally. Now, I happen to have someone in my life here in the UK who is hopefully undergoing an organ transplant this summer. And that person has a living donor, someone that they know who's an excellent match for an organ. Um, do you know that you can even donate? Well, it's a, it's a big surgery, but you can even be a living liver donor. You can give someone up just a small piece of your liver and save their life. You don't need to give them your whole liver or you would be dead. But this is a different organ. Um, the person that I know has to go through, I think, nine stages of tests because the NHS is so careful. They don't want to just take an organ and have the, the donor get sick or the recipient get sick. So all these compatibility tests have to happen, but also consent and mental health evaluations have to take place. And the donor and the recipient, even if they're friends, they can't be in the room at the same time because there are instances where a family member is forced to donate you know, a kidney to another family member without their consent and all kinds of things go wrong. So they have to test you, test you, test you for the most successful outcome for both the donor and the recipient. So like, let's say I wanted to give Bobby a kidney one day and I was a good match for him because we're from a really small town and we're basically related. Let's say the doctor was like, oh yeah, Catherine, great, you're a perfect match. But then I failed some other test because my health was bad. The doctor could say, no, you can't give him your kidney now because it's dangerous for you. And if I was like, no, but I want to, he's my husband. The doctor, or not the doctor, but the you know panel, the association might be like, no, you failed like test seven of nine. And that's such a letdown. It is really, really difficult to be an organ donor, get an organ. I mean, all these right things have to take place, but that's good. So that means that if you want to become an organ donor, a living organ donor, um, then at least you know that there are all these hoops that have to be jumped through and they're looking after you. Like they have health and safety in mind. So if you've ever thought, oh, I don't know, like what if it would make me sick? They make sure that it doesn't. So yes. This guy says, organ theft isn't the only risk of medical vacationing. Some seemingly high-end clinics are notorious for a bait-and-switch procedure where you meet with an experienced, highly-rated, board-certified surgeon, but once you're under anesthesia, he has been replaced by one of his medical students learning the procedure hands-on on your body. And if that happens, guys, it can't be reversed. And I feel like it is unlikely... I mean, look... 
I know you can't all do this, but I would walk into that room, meet with the actual surgeon and be like, I have a million Instagram followers. My name is like, I would start with, you know, all the stuff that would make him want to do a good job on me. Of course, everyone would do that, but not everyone can. So yeah, I do believe that with this surgeon in particular, it is possible that he has trainees, that he'll be in this quick consultation with you beforehand. And then when you're under anesthesia, I don't think it's super likely that my kidney is going to be stolen, but I wouldn't put it past a clinic to have a trainee take over and just do it. And unfortunately, the guy that I did want to go to, I, I had some messages from people saying they weren't satisfied with his surgery. And when you look online, he has really good reviews, but it's like, what am I doing now? Why, why am I even considering this anymore? So officially, officially, liposuction in Turkey for TV's Catherine Ryan is off the table. Will I diet and exercise? No, absolutely not. No. Will I turn to Ozempic? No, I've also heard bad things about that and good things, if I'm honest. But no, I think I'm just going to lean into this next phase of my life. And it doesn't bother me that much anyway. I don't really care. Um, I would love, of course, to be like a little snatched Kardashian, but it's like there are more important things in life. And that is the full circle of where I've come with this thing. So make of that what you will. If you think I'm a bad person for thinking about surgery, like fuck off basically because I'm not perfect. And a lot of you, I know you are thinking about going to Turkey for liposuction. I know it. And if you're not, then congratulations for being a better person than we are. But I've gone the whole way around and I've decided no. There are more emails from the listeners last week, uh, but I just wanted to begin with that one because it was a real cliffhanger from last week. I'll get back to Joanne's emails in a minute. This is a difficult thing to talk about because I know it's the type of subject that gets picked up in newspapers. I spoke about an urban planning issue within our neighborhood, and for some reason it got a ton of press. I was on red carpets and people were talking about it. I was like... I don't understand. I guess I don't really understand like the media and what they care about and what they don't. I know that we are in a financial crisis and I am the bad guy. I am a landowner. I am a landlord. Bobby and I continue to manage, well, through a management company now actually. Bobby used to do it himself and now we have a management company. We have a property in central London And we are not slumlords. I have poured thousands of pounds into this property. You need to know, and I promise you this, I have turned over zero profit on this property. And I don't even think that it's gone up very much in valuation. The uh, value of the property is hardly appreciated because when I put my offer in, it was the morning before the Brexit vote was announced in 2016. And the next day it was like, we're doing Brexit. And the the occupy the you know, people then accepted my offer straight away. And I was not confident enough to go, well, hang on, a bunch of financial shit's gonna go down now. Let's renegotiate. I just was like, oh, okay. So I paid a bit too much for the flat in the beginning. Anyway, I'm sure that's what an investor would say, but I wasn't trying to be a shrewd investor. I'm not trying to squeeze money out of vulnerable people in a financial crisis. I think we charge a very fair rental fee and anything goes wrong, we are jumping on it to fix it. Um, One tenant wanted me to remove all my beautiful Ellie Cashman wallpaper and I was heartbroken to do that, but that's what the tenant wanted. That cost me literally thousands of pounds to do, but I was like, okay, like I want people to be happy. So during lockdown, All of a sudden, I had a tenant complaining about noises and smell behind the walls. She felt like there were rodents there, and it's in a very old listed building. So it would make sense that, of course, it's difficult to upkeep, and there are old, old drains and old, old features, but there were never any rodents inside of our flat. So I was very limited as to what I could do as a landlord. I had plumbing people go around. We had um, builders go around and knock through some walls. And behind the walls, they eventually did find some droppings. And this alarmed me very much. I was like, oh my gosh, well, we've spent, first of all, we had spent thousands in plumbing to try to find out because we thought it was a plumbing smell, but it was droppings behind the walls. I'm limited to how many walls I can smash through because 
ultimately I'm going into property that I don't own and I'm going into other people's properties. Do you understand what I mean? So if anyone works in property management, please help me. Please give me some advice because I don't want my tenants to be living with any smell. And I went to the property management of this building and tried to address it. And I feel personally like I was gaslit for years. This started in lockdown. And this is one of my first emails. I can't find all of my emails to the property management company because I keep searching the keyword rats in my inbox and it comes up with like also many congrats emails, which I receive. So it's like, you know, I'm a very privileged person. I get a lot of congrats emails, but I was sending rats emails and those are the ones I'm trying to send. So this is the earliest email that I can find. This is the first, oh no, the 21st of January, 2021. I said, hi, we have been waiting to hear about rat proofing at the property for nearly a week. Our tenant is understandably upset, and this is a major health concern. We found thousands of rat droppings creating a smell within the walls. We have privately had this all cleaned away and sealed, but the smell remains. We are yet to find the source of their entry point. The entire property that we do not own, I'm talking about the major building, has rats inside the walls. These rats are not in our actual flat. This requires your attention for securing ASAP. As you can surely understand sorting this is a matter of urgency and I find it unconscionable that we are still waiting for an appointment the current situation is a danger to everyone god I'm a bitch I'm not trying to be a bitch I'm just trying to have this sorted but I mean it's no surprise that Violet calls me a Karen so the management company goes Catherine the pest control company were instructed over a week ago I've emailed them to find out what's happened and I'll let you know Further to this, I am attaching the latest routine inspection report from their like rodent company for the building as a whole carried out on the 3rd of March. You will note that no rodent activity was found and the baits are untouched. Okay. So this is where I began to feel gaslit. It's like, well, all right, like try the baits somewhere else. Like I'm telling you that we found rodent droppings and you're telling me, telling me what I didn't. Like I'm some kind of like psycho. So then I wait two months and I write back and there might have been communications in between. I don't know, but this is what I found. Hello, I continue to keep you in the loop on this because I am hearing from other tenants about their experience with rats. I think you should be aware, even though you insist there are no rats. I appreciate this report and thanks for sending it. But anytime we get a private surveyor, they continue to find rats here's the latest quote to excavate this entire bathroom basically to look for rat entrances the professionals insist that there are definitely feces behind the walls i get the message that you're never going to take responsibility that's whatever that's fine i love that i write the way i speak that's i go real clueless on her that's whatever that's fine but we are looking into the walls and i'll let you know what the plumbers find as they continue to insist that this is not a piping or gas problem alone and this is what the property management write back to me catherine I would just like to set the record straight on the issue. There appear to be some misunderstandings. We act for the management company. Yeah, I got that. That's why I'm emailing you. I get it. I get it. We have had this investigated by professional contractors who are advising us that there is no evidence of rats. I refer you again to the report, which clearly confirms this. We are more than happy to carry out further investigations as necessary, but in order to do so, we must justify to the directors of the block and the other members who pay service charges that these are justified. As it stands at the moment, the professionals are saying that this is a plumbing issue and not a vermin issue. If, however, you proceed with this work and find evidence to the contrary, I would ask that you let us know immediately so that the rat people can be instructed to investigate further whilst access is available. You refer below to any time we get a private surveyor, they continue to mention rats. Please forward any documentation or reports you have on this so that I can review further. It is not a matter of quote, never going to take responsibility, but ensuring that the service charge funds are spent wisely. I look forward to hearing from you. So like, I get where she's at. I totally appreciate that. Like she has to allocate the funds uh, accordingly. But during this time, I'm hearing from all kinds of tenants that they can also hear these rats within the walls. And can I remind you that no rats are in anyone's flat at this point. Like it's an old, old building 
and if there were rats in the flat, that's easy to fix. This is more about feces behind walls that we don't own and noises, right? So then Karan Ryan hits back with, yes, well, as you know, professionals can be wrong. Your appointed professionals seem to continually affirm different truths to our appointed professionals. It's gotten quite philosophical by this point. I'm just letting you know that the issue is not fixed and the cause is being contradicted by different professionals. I will continue to update you so that your fees are spent wisely, my fees are spent wisely, and that there isn't a large health concern going unidentified throughout your building. If it was as simple as getting a plumber, the issue would never have come to you in the first place. I'm going to try to find the hits from this correspondence because it's back and forth, back and forth. Catherine, pest control company, has been me being like, uh, great, what have they said? Another email. Hi, we really need an urgent answer. Um, no, we privately hired a rat man, blah, 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 blah. And it goes on and on and on. Hi, what's happening now? Like, I feel like I'm pestering them, but also they just keep telling me that there are absolutely no rats. So then I write, hi, no one has been able to get back to me or provide any answers whatsoever as to the major systemic problem of rats beyond our property inside the walls of the building you manage. My tenant is still quite upset and is worried about the obvious health implications of this. Our next steps are to attend the property and speak to other residents about whether they have investigated inside their walls, as we will need to request access privately to solve this problem that you are obviously quite unable to prioritize. So then I said, blah, blah, blah. So you're saying we own the walls beyond our property and you're giving us permission to breach them in order to investigate, find, kill, and then eliminate possible entry points from the street into the deep walls of this building? Because again, the rats are not inside our flat. We cannot leave the droppings to fester with disease inside the walls. Please confirm that we have permission to employ a private contractor to breach walls beyond our property. Like I'm desperate at this point. I'm ready to knock down the whole building to find these rats. And they keep responding to me as though like oh have you have you left a trap inside your your building no so this is probably my worst email (laughs) over a few months uh she tells me to get a plumber again and i say we did have a plumber in to look at the water system and drains in the first instance and his report indicated that this wasn't the issue there is a case of passing the buck somewhere it's frustrating to keep checking and rechecking the things which we already know to be true we can obviously see for ourselves that the bait has been undisturbed i'm not certain how to explain more clearly and in plain english that our concern is that there are rats that we cannot see within the walls of the building Your implication is that the rats magically appeared in one secured area behind our cupboard wall as there is no indication of an unsealed entry point. I find it difficult to believe that this type of fantasy Star Trek rat exists, but I would be happily corrected. Ideally, your rat people are correct in their assertion that this problem is solved, but our tenant continues to complain of a distinctive rat smell, and we do not know how to proceed with an unsatisfied tenant and lacking permission to knock through property walls which are not ours. You can imagine, as I can, that if your flat smelled like dead rats, you would be deeply concerned. Monitoring the situation does not seem to be ameliorating it. I wish that it would. So what is your suggestion going forward? So this went on and on and on and on and on. Over the years, like 2001, this went on. 2002, this went on. I start hearing from other tenants that there are rats coming up in their drains. Like I'm hearing it's gone fully on the WhatsApp rumor mill at this point. I'm hearing loads of stuff. I'm not there But obviously, I'm very attentive to this issue. I really care about the health and safety and the satisfaction of our tenants. Our tenant actually ended up moving out. And then things got quiet for a while. Bobby and I visited the property. And we did like all new repainting. We did lots of stuff. And um, it seemed to be fine. It didn't smell of anything. I think it was a seasonal change. Like, I don't know what happens maybe in the winter, like rats. I don't know. I just thought it was fixed because I've been told since the beginning of time that I'm imagining this issue basically. Lo and behold, I get an email from our new management company in 2023 to um, the management company with me CC'd. 
Hi, the tenants have reported there's an unpleasant smell and are hearing animal noises in the bathroom. It would appear that pests are entering through somewhere externally. We have tried on the management and are doing what we can from within the property, but unless this issue is resolved from the outside, it will continue to be an issue. Are you able to advise on how we can proceed and if you can carry out further investigations? And I wrote back, unbelievable. <laughs> and then... The big management company wrote, we have further drain work starting this week as we've identified a further section of pipe work which needs repair. The drain firm will also be installing rat flaps to prevent any rats coming back up the drain pipe as part of this work. In the meantime, oh, this, kill, this actually breaks my heart. In the meantime, would you like us to send pest control around to bait the flat? There are no rats in the flat. I can't take it anymore. I can't take this persisting and me being gaslit and messaging and messaging and messaging going, there are rats, there are rats in your walls, there are rats, and being told I'm wrong for two years. And now finally this woman is admitting, oh yeah, yeah. Like now it's a huge systemic issue. And the management company lady finally agrees, though she really doesn't understand where the rats are. She finally at least agrees there are rats. And so uh, she's the head of this management company, and I'm sure she's a really nice person. And I understand that her margins are probably small. Her job is to obviously spend everyone's service charge money wisely and to turn a profit probably for the management company. Like she's not the bad guy in this, but I have felt so anxious and gaslit this entire time. So I write her this message. I look onto the complaints procedure because at this point, all this, I don't know how much damage the rats have done now. If they've chewed through important wires, like this is supposed to be not just the well-being of my tenants, but my long-term investment that I've made zero dollars on since 2016, um, let alone great British pounds. So I write her a message and I say, um, since this in-house complaints procedure comes to you as the director. Do I need to submit a formal complaint this way or do I go straight to the ombudsman? Since I've complained quite formally to you about it already, I just don't feel that my concerns were ever properly listened to or understood. And they continue not to be, as you suggest, baiting these rats from within my flat. And I'm worried that we continue to expose many tenants to an actual health hazard. My rat emails to you have gone on for years and I don't have confidence that this issue will ever be solved properly. I just was like, listen, who do I complain to? Because you have possibly allowed damage to happen by ignoring me that is going to cost everyone a whole lot of money in the long run. Who knows what these like deep down inside the building rats have done. And she's, she's pissed that basically I can tell that I've asked her who to complain to. So she's basically now telling me like, oh, to be clear, I've done everything I need to do basically. Oh my God. And she's also put... In addition to the above, I have offered to have the flat baited. Like, I, this is what hurts me the most. <sighs> stop, stop offering to bait my flat. There are no rats in my flat. So basically, look. So I, my final email was, to be clear, I have been alerting you to the rat problem since at least the beginning of 2021. The problem was largely ignored. I was told I was wrong until this recent action, which I worry was initiated far too late after lots of rat damage and infestation. I am only glad not to be living there now with my small children. But I, I feel like I don't want to be a dick, but I need to complain to someone higher up because this property management company has allowed something to go on that I've been trying to alert them to for two years. Is this podcast boring this week to anyone apart from a property management expert? If you are in property management, please help me because I have hit a brick wall with these people for two years. Am I wrong or should they have done something? While I do understand that it's very difficult to manage such an old, old listed building, like this is my long-term investment and also the well-being of my tenants and I'm deeply concerned and I have no faith now that she's going to solve it after everything I've been through the last two years. She's just going to like what? Bait my flat. Oh please write me an email telling everybody everything at gmail.com. If you are a journalist or a tabloid reporter, <clears throat> there's no need to make an issue of this in the papers. Like, because I just seem like such an ass every time you put anything about me in the paper, <laughs> please just a property management person, please message me. And the woman, the property management lady whose life I have annoyed for the last two years. If you're listening, I know it's not like, do I think you're great at your job? No. But 
Do I think you're an asset to your company? Short term, probably yeah. Maybe you have a five-year plan and you wanna get out before the rat damage really takes hold. I appreciate that your job is tough. I do, I know, I think that you're probably a really nice person, but don't offer to bait my flat again. There aren't any rats in it. Oh good, Bobby Kay's out in the garden with the doggies. Big breakthrough on my nose today. I went to see a world-renowned dermatologist. She is from Northern Ireland, but I won't hold it against her. She was a vision of beauty, some of the best skin I've ever seen in my life. And she, along with her partner, who's my regular dermatologist, not sexual partner, business partner, I think. I mean, but I wouldn't blame them. Both hot. They had a look at my nose together, and I said, I think that I have a weird autoimmune condition that isn't identified as some sort of mixed connective tissue disease. For those of you who know me or have ever seen my Instagram, my nose has been red for three years and a lot of you have been throwing out diagnoses and those have been wrong. But the woman looked and she said, you know what, this is just a very persistent and advanced specialized form of rosacea. You need to use azelaic acid, you need to use ivermectin, You need to be persistent with this for eight weeks. And then disturbingly, she told me, there are mites in the follicles of your nose, pores. Everyone has that, apparently. You have mites in your face. And at night, just turn the podcast off now if you're already disgusted. This has been a disgusting episode. At night, those mites come to the surface of your skin and copulate. And for most people, that's fine. But for you, due to your like predisposition to autoimmune response and your Celtic heritage, your nose is reacting to that. So use these things to kill the mites. Why are my investment properties and investment face infested with pests? And no one's listened for two years. It's the same thing. No one's listened about my nose for two years. No one's listened about my flat for two years, but I feel like I need resolution today. So watch this space. For the next eight weeks, I'll be on a nose journey. I'll be taking before and after photos. And the man, um, the partner of this dermatologist, they're both working in tandem on my nose. They said to me, I promise this will be fixed. This is going to be fixed. And I left that office today with so much hope. And then I bought the baby's matching outfits. Some words from our sponsors now. And when we return, I will go through the rest of the emails that Joanne has chosen to feature on this week's podcast. If you ever want to write me a letter telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know what? Speaking of podcasts, I was a guest at the O2 Arena for the Live Parenting Hell podcast. That is Rob Beckett and Josh Whitcomb's podcast. Holy crow. I mean, Sam Smith was there on the Wednesday. I think didn't really sell it out. And I'm a huge Sam Smith fan. But Rob and Josh sold out like 50,000 seats. People wanted to come and watch their podcast. And it was wonderful. It was really funny. If you get a chance to see this podcast live on tour, I mean, please go. It's very interactive. People love Parenting Hell. Please don't go listen to it. Just listen to my podcast instead. But um, it just struck me. I looked out at the audience. Obviously, I'm studying this. I'm like, wow, how can I emulate this for myself? 
And there are a type of people who I don't know that they would necessarily go to see Rob live or go to see Josh live. Certainly Rob and Josh, you know, no offense to the guys, they're really funny and I would always go see them on tour, but certainly individually they would agree they're not selling out arenas. But as a duo for this podcast, they are. And some of the punters in the audience that they spoke to, I don't think those, I think a lot of those people, especially the women, no offense, girls, would say, oh, I don't like comedy. No, I don't, I don't think, no, I don't like stand-up comedy. But they would do a night out to a pod, a live podcast. I mean, it's just the shape of things is changing so much. And of course, I was a guest. And after the show, I received a tweet from a lady who was like, uh, hate Catherine Ryan. Shut up, bitch. I wish the special guest was Ramesh. And it's like, all right, you're going to Parenting Hell podcast. Presumably, you're a mother. And you would like to see two dads with a third dad special guest talk about why parenting is hell. But you don't want to support a woman talking about it. Like, I actually have nipples in entirely different places than before. I'm risking my life and fucking kidneys thinking about getting liposuction in Turkey. And my back hurts because I haven't put the baby down for her entire life. And you you want to be like, oh, no, not Catherine. Women aren't funny. I just don't think women are funny. Please keep supporting women, especially if you're a mom and you're a parent. Like, I love that people are going to parenting hell, but man alive, those people are not buying tickets to see me on tour. Um, all right. The rest of the emails uh, not related to plastic surgery from Joanne have been very illuminating this week. Catherine, am I out of line for telling my sister that her son is on the autism spectrum? Let me stop you there. Yes. Let's read your email. Catherine, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I discovered it recently. I've listened back to almost all of the episodes. Obsessed. Anyway, in the last year, I have discovered at age 27 that I'm autistic, and I'm now going through the long and arduous process of receiving a diagnosis. Interesting. So I think a lot of us are self-diagnosing now, and that's great. And there was probably definitely misdiagnosis or lack of diagnosis for a number of years, but I would encourage people, you know, and I self-diagnose with my, my, my autism, my auto, well, a lot of people write in thinking I'm autistic and that's fine. We're all somewhere on this spectrum, but I self-diagnose a lot with my autoimmune stuff and lupus. And I think you, you know yourself best, of course. So it's great to look at these, uh, methods of self-diagnosing or, you know, if you identify as having ADHD or you think you have a lot of the symptoms that you see for autism, great, but please still wait for an official diagnosis. It's been a difficult time for me learning about all these things that have made me different from my peers my whole life and would have likely been easier to cope with if I'd known why sooner, but that's fine. I'm moving through that and I'll be okay. However, my nephew is two and a bit years old and he's showing really clear signs of being on the autism spectrum. For a while, I was saying this to my sister in a casual way and she agrees. Recently, his meltdowns and sleeping has got so much worse, and it's really hard to watch sometimes when she disciplines him for having a meltdown instead of trying to comfort him and regulate his feelings when he's overstimulated or is struggling to communicate. I've made some more serious comments to her about getting him a referral from the GP and getting a diagnosis, but she shut me down, saying it's not affecting his life and she doesn't feel the need to label these things as I do. I feel helpless in this situation and empathize with my nephew. I don't want him to have the struggles I did for my whole life because my sister doesn't want to get him early intervention with his neurodivergence. Am I being oversensitive? Would you be offended if someone was commenting on stuff like this about your kids? I'm not a parent, so maybe I'm out of line. Correct. So even if you're right, in this instance, you're wrong. And I think that is admirable of you to have the courage to speak to your sister because all that you're trying to do is help your nephew. You have no nefarious intent here. This is not about you. You are just noticing symptoms in him and trying to make his life easier for him. But equally, if you didn't identify him as being neurodivergent, then you might still chime in on parenting and be like, do you know, like so many sisters do. You might be like, if you do this or if you gently help him communicate rather than disciplining. Blah, 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 blah. And the fact is that's always going to offend the parent. So you can have a go, but ultimately the parent has to decide 
what they want to do. And it might be a better approach for you just to be like, oh, do you know what I find helps me when I'm frustrated is this? Or maybe just step in. Like if you're there a lot, maybe when you see him having a meltdown as his auntie, because it takes a village to raise kids, right? Instead of telling your sister what you think she should do, maybe just step in and do it yourself. Because I'll be honest, we all have different parenting styles in my house. Bobby, Violet, and me, Fred's three parents, (laughs) and probably Fred's assistant. And when I see Bobby or Violet doing something that I don't agree with, I can't correct them because ultimately he is their family too, but I can sort of gently come in and adjust it, like do it my way in front of them. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes when Fred wants to say no, Violet can be quite sibling-like with him, you know, a little bit overbearing. She'll be like, Fred, do you want to do this? And he's worried that she's going to pick him up and make him do it. So he goes, no. And I have to step in and go, no, thank you, Fred. Do you want to do that? And I wait. And, and he learns eventually after a couple seconds, he goes, no, thank you. In a happy voice, I go, oh, well done, Fred. That was really nice, calm answering. No, thank you. And then I repeat his words. I go, oh, Violet, Fred doesn't want to do that. Thank you. No, thank you. All right, let's go. And I distract. I deflect and distract. And often Bobby, who's very sweet, he'll ask Fred questions. And uh, you shouldn't ask a toddler questions unless you're giving them two options. So he'll say, uh, Fred, should we go upstairs and have a bath? Fred, do you want to get in the buggy? And it is a bit rude. And I, you know, I don't want to correct Fred's dad, but I'll step in and go, Fred, it's time to go upstairs and get in the bath now. I make it a statement. Uh, So, you know, who's right and who's wrong? We have to find our way parenting kids. um, And even if you're family, you have a stake in it, but you can't, you can't push the envelope. If you have sensed and, you know, look, without offending you, you're reading the room correctly. So, I mean, you don't seem (laughs) super autistic to me. (laughs) Um, Please take that with the good humor it was intended with. But you're reading your sister's reaction really well and going, oh, she's not responsive to my diagnosis of her son. And I'm not a professional, so maybe I need to just back off and step in with your own methods if you can. Uh, And to answer your question, yes, Fred really hates his music class, but he likes his music class. There are things about it he hates. He doesn't like authority and he doesn't want to bang the drum at the same time as the other kids are going to bang the drum. And he knows all of his colors. But at music class last week, the teacher showed him something red. And she said, what color is this, Fred? And he just clings to me the whole time, like with a scowl on his face. And then if no one's watching him, he'll start to have fun and loosen up a bit. But when she addresses him directly, Fred's like a diva. He's like, ah, do not address me. He looked at her and looked at the red object. And he had a little smile on his face. And he looked at me and he went, yellow? (laughs) I was like, you prick. You know that's not yellow. But I mean, he acts like a dick at this music class. And another mom last week said to me, oh, is Fred uh, very withdrawn at home and independent? Does he play independently? And, you know, we're all online. I know the autism quiz. And I looked at her and I said, no, no, he's not like this at home. He's like friendly and he communicates and he's really lovely. He just, he loves to hate this music class. And then she sort of, you know, her intentions were good, but I could see what she was doing. She was like asking me basically, the autism quiz. And um, what I've learned about little boys and little girls is like all little boys that I've met seem a little bit more on the spectrum than all little girls. Why do you think they can name all the freaking kinds of dinosaurs? Jeez. Catherine, after a very long time of being unhappy with my husband, we finally separated this past week. I would often tell him I wasn't happy and he would say, well, leave, but our daughter will stay with me in our home. You are leaving her if you leave me. So I would take that threat seriously, and I would just try to make things work. There's a guy I've known for a while, since before I met my husband, who I recently got back in touch with via text, and we've been inappropriately swapping texts on the regular. Sometimes they do get sexual, so I have 100% cheated. My husband called me out on my phone use, and I confessed to it all. A part of me wonders if on some level I wanted to be caught. I should add, the guy is not relationship material. I just like the fun and laughs with him as an escape. But I really just want to be single for as long as possible and focus on my daughter. 
Where I'm at now is my husband is in our home and I'm at my mom's just along the road. My husband is not from the UK, so he has nowhere else to go. I'm happy to be at my mom's for the time being. He started off not letting me see our daughter, but he has been better as the days have gone on. However, yesterday in front of my three-year-old daughter, he was abusive and made threats again about taking everything from me. I know he's hurting, but taking cheating out of the equation, he's made these kind of threats before and it hasn't been easy living with him. He's quite controlling and unkind. I'm bouncing back and forth from feeling really sorry for him. Like, what is wrong with women? This is a man who, all right, you feel guilty because you've done something bad, you've cheated, but, you know, you (sighs) threatening to take children away from someone and being abusive and being unkind and being controlling, you know, he has got you in a place where you are feeling more empathy for him than for yourself. And you're prioritizing him, I'm afraid, ahead of your daughter. Because if you're telling me that he is abusive, unkind, and controlling, but you're letting your daughter stay with him, oh, you would never be that way to her. Well, yes, he will, because unkind people are unkind. And she might be three years old now, and he views her as like a um, possession, but she's going to be a teenager one day. And she is going to be a young woman one day. And however he is treating her mother, that is how he's going to treat her invariably. She says, I'm bouncing back and forth from feeling really sorry for him because he's alone here and I've done him wrong to feeling relief that it's finally over. But I have major anxiety about our daughter's routine and finances around the house, etc. I'm keen not to involve solicitors or anything at this stage as I don't want to risk his visa and take him away from his daughter. It's all just such a mess. I know it will start to straighten out over time, but I want to hear some words of advice or encouragement. I mean, I'm sorry. You, I'm I'm not an expert in this, and it sounds like really messy and potentially dangerous. So you have to involve a solicitor, at least for some specialist advice. Um, You have to prioritize the well-being of your daughter in this and stop feeling sorry for this man out of guilt over what you've done, which is cheated on him. That is separate. Your relationship with him is separate from your relationship as a parent. He has threatened to keep her from you. And I know you're like, well, if I just obey his rules and do it his way and go by what he wants and not make too much noise, he will let me see my daughter. He has no right to let you or not let you see that child. You are her mother. Imagine what she's thinking. Being there with her dad, who is upset, and seeing her dad be abusive to you and you being down the road at your mother's house. My daughter would be like, where's my mom? And I'm sorry to be tough on you like that, but like think of her wants and needs and how long she has had to live in a household with two unhappy parents with a dad that, again, I'm going to use your words, unkind and controlling and abusive. You can't have her in that environment. And of course he could see his daughter. And I know that he's got visa issues and you don't want him kicked out of the country. I don't really know the ins and outs of that. Maybe speak also to an immigration lawyer and see what would happen. But he's not your responsibility. He's a big boy and he will deal with you cheating on him. But threatening to keep your daughter from you, like what happens when you get a boyfriend? You want to be single for now. Okay, well, what happens when you start actually seeing someone? What happens if you get married again? He cannot be pulling the strings when it comes to your contact with your own child. So you better put your big girl heels on, dress on, pants on, whatever outfit you feel like. You need to speak to a solicitor. You need to get your ducks in a row. And you need to insist that your daughter goes to your mother's with you because you are her mother. And if your husband wants to come over supervised, because I'm sorry, but I've watched enough documentaries on Netflix to know that scorned men are not always predictable, he can come around with you and your mother and spend as much time with your daughter. Or if you have an arrangement, like of course, if you feel like he's safe for your daughter, he could see your daughter. Like I'm not suggesting anybody keep any parent unless it's unsafe. You're worried about her well-being, finances, her routine, all of that stuff is really messy. You're right. But she will feel safest knowing like what's going on with you and her and your relationship. And you need to keep her close. So figure out how to do that. And if anybody has any professional advice in this regard, please write us an email telling everybody everything at gmail.com.
Oh no, Catherine, on this week's latest podcast, you mentioned getting a little bit of Botox. I understand that you're breastfeeding Fena. I think that Botox when breastfeeding isn't allowed. Is that wrong? Please enlighten me as I've been wanting Botox for years, but I've either been pregnant, breastfeeding, or pregnant and breastfeeding for the last six years. No hate or judgment. I'm just confused and wanting your thoughts and advice. No, you're not supposed to get Botox when you're breastfeeding. And you're not supposed to get filler and you're not allowed to use retinol and you can't go on a roller coaster and you're not allowed to step on cracks in the sidewalk. And there are a lot of things that you are not supposed to do in breastfeeding only because they haven't really studied the effects on breastfeeding. So there's no study that says Botox somehow enters your breast milk and harms your baby. Equally, there's not a reliable study that says it doesn't. I don't think there are any studies at all. So yes, Botox is contradicted in pregnancy officially. Thanks for your email. Also, I received emails from celiacs who were very put out about the fact that, I mean, I was sort of being tongue-in-cheek. I talked about testing positive for celiac autoantibodies. So like officially I have celiac disease, but throughout my whole life, I never had symptoms of celiac. And then I said, kind of, you know, again, it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Although I did say the wrong thing. I said, during my pregnancies, I stopped eating gluten completely. And then a few times I've cheated and had some gluten and now I have symptoms of celiac. So I was like, oh God, if you're allergic to something, definitely don't take it out of your diet. And I got lots of emails from celiac sufferers or professional dietitians who have said, Catherine, never ever tell a celiac to eat gluten because even silent celiacs can have um, inflammatory symptoms or organ damage or bone density loss. I think a lot of these symptoms like absorption issues are from symptomatic celiacs, but absolutely it's true. Great advice. That is true. If you have celiac and even if you don't have symptoms, the gluten is causing some inflammatory response in your body and that can lead to long-term health issues. So in a way, in a big way, I'm very lucky that I was symptom-free before, notwithstanding like the miscarriages I was having, uh, which is a symptom, by the way, of autoimmune inflammatory disease. Uh, But now I'm kind of lucky that if I eat something with gluten, I feel bad right away because that will deter me from eating gluten that could otherwise be causing long-term damage. Okay, here's one about babies. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I'm often intrigued by what you say, especially stuff relating to your kids. In your last episode, you mentioned how you don't want Fena to learn to cry, and I was really curious about this. <laughs> Could you explain more? And how do you manage to avoid crying altogether? Oh, j'aime aussi bien quand tu parles français parce que moi, je peux parler aussi, mais malheureusement, j'ai pas la même confiance que toi pour le parler. Il faut vraiment que je suive l'exemple de toi. Nice. We're both practicing French. So again, I was kind of joking. Fena, of course, knows how to cry, but because she just naturally is the kind of baby who never cries, then what I didn't want when I was speaking about the flight in last week's podcast, I didn't want her to actually cry for more than a couple seconds and like get a taste for it. You know what I mean? But there's nothing I've done to make Fena a baby who doesn't cry. I parent her the exact same way I parented Fred, the exact same way I parented Violet. Everyone goes, oh, do you think maybe you're more relaxed? Nope. Nothing's different. Fena just happens to wake up in the morning, eyes open, smiling, you know, whereas Fred would just wake up and cry. Um, but I want her to stay that way. So like with the other two, I respond to her needs immediately. I anticipate her needs like before she's even crying. You know, I don't let her get annoyed that she's got a wet nappy or I don't let her get hungry to tell me she's hungry. And I don't let her get overtired, um, because I don't want her to cry. (laughs) But having said that, I did all the same things for Fred and he cried all the time. So I mean like, good luck if you're having a baby or you have a baby, you've just got to deal with the hand that you've been dealt because they're all different, just like we're all different. There were a few emails for balance as well on plastic surgery abroad. There was a lady who is a international surgery liaison for surgery in Thailand. And she said that some of the standards were above US standards. And I have seen lots of things about Thailand being one of the early Uh, wonderful places in addition to the Philippines where people were going for gender reassignment surgery and all kinds of different specialized surgery and they're just top notch. 
Also, um, with regards to Turkey, a lady wrote saying, the horror stories circulating recently regarding plastic surgery abroad have prompted me to write balance on the topic. Last year, I had a breast reduction and a bingo wingectomy in Turkey. The hospital was spotless. Nurses, fab. Surgeon, a genius. I loved it so much, I'm heading back next week for a tummy tuck with the same surgeon. So for anyone thinking about it, please do your research. Don't scrimp on a cheaper alternative. I fear for those who get a procedure and are then evicted to a hotel to recover. And there were also lots of stories about people who'd just been abandoned in that hotel and the nurses weren't really checking on them. So please, 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 you know, I'm only reading out a few of the emails, but the message really is it's always going to be a risk and maybe not a risk worth taking. But if you insist on taking the risk, then you have to be very, very careful. Get a discount flight and get a discount pair of jeans and get a discount like lunch don't ever scrimp on research or money really for plastic surgery please that is unfortunately all the time we have today on telling everybody everything i really appreciate you writing in i love that like listeners are helping other listeners and joanne is loving curating the emails i appreciate that you know if you tell her to read a book she's reading it and she writes back to loads of emails that we don't get time to cover on the podcast she's become like a mini producer of telling everybody everything and i'm very grateful this friday i'm going to birmingham to be live on channel four for late night live set i have tried to be on all the other episodes. Those listening from abroad will not know what I mean unless you can somehow pirate Joe Lysett's Late Night Lysett on Channel 4. Um, this week it's got to happen because I feel that it's the last episode of the series, so I'm going to do everything I can to have my interview. If you haven't read my book, it's called The Audacity. It's available paperback, hardback, Kindle, audiobook. I uh, really appreciate you being here. Please look after each other. If you ever want to write me an email, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. See you next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com